How can you really drive open innovation in corporations? So I had the pleasure to interview Zach Weisfield, so the general manager, vice president of Intel Ignite in Israel. Zach shared with me the impact of ChatGBT right now and the disruption is bringing to the startup world, the relation between culture and innovation, how can you actually do it, but also is how can you become a corporate leader once you are also a senior entrepreneur? And finally, what's the right balance to give bad news and good news to people, so firing, hiring, but also firing and engaging. Stay with me today, listen to this episode because Zach is such an inspiring leader, so it really is gonna be an incredible episode for you. Hi everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the World Class Leader Show. In today's episode, I have the pleasure to have with me Zach Weisfield, the Vice President and General Manager of Intel Ignite in Israel. So Zach is a, he's a former General Manager of Microsoft for Startups. He's a serial entrepreneur and investor. Zach co-founded a few startups, including Sequoia-backed Mintigo, Vice President of Marketing Strategy at Modu, and he was also the General Manager for America's and Corporate Vice President at um, M-Systems. Uh, which was then acquired by Sandisk Corporation. So according to Business Insider, and that's probably, it's already my first question for you, Zach, is Zach Weisfield is among the top, top most influential Israelis in tech worldwide. In the past 12 years, uh, Mr. Weisfield specialized in reinventing large multinational tech companies through open innovation, which is startups. So that's what we are going to talk today. So Zach, thank you so much for being on the show today. Sure, happy to be here. Thank you very much. Right. So how did you become one of the most influential people in Israel? Well, I don't know about most influential in, in, in Israel. It's um, early on, I think, when when I, I had the, the opportunity when the Internet pretty much started here. I think the, right. the early 90s, um, um, I was you know fresh out of I, I finished my army service here. I was fresh out of school and, and um, joined the. A management consulting firm, and then uh, was asked to join um, J. Walter Thompson, the ad agency, as they they started their internet business here. Again, this is early '90s, and and we built probably the first digital agency, and and um, and we were the second biggest internet portal here. And I was asked to come and 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 run that business. It was fascinating, right? The internet. It was it was just 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 started. I brought DoubleClick to Israel for the first time before uh, Google uh, acquired mm-hmm. them. It was it was fascinating, and, and that that when my journey started in this in this tech world, and had an opportunity to build multiple companies since then. Spent about eight years in Silicon Valley, so I've been a serial entrepreneur, built uh, multiple companies, um, but also been a corporate entrepreneur. So uh, in the past twelve years or so, I'm focused on how to reinvent corporate corporates, large multinational corporations through the work with startups. And we can we can talk more about that. And I think through that journey, I had an opportunity to meet with many, many, many CXOs of large corporations discussing how to drive open innovation because it's a big challenge. And it's a big challenge that many companies are facing. And we will come back to this because we had on the show, uh, Zach, in the past, that was actually last year, a couple of, um, very interesting people, one working for Wintershell Ventures, the other one was Shell Ventures in the US. 
So essentially, oil and gas company, but they are spending their time, you know, in investing in new, you know, energy transition solutions. And we spoke a lot about the the challenges that you know we normally you have in the corporates to drive innovation that way. But I think with you would be more interesting as well to expand the idea of open innovation internal. It's not just invent investing or many or not in organization, which is great in terms of conversation. Um, Tell us a bit more about your role, uh, Zach. So tell us more about your role. What is Intel Ignite? Why does it exist as a as an sure. organization? Sure. So as, as you mentioned, I'm the vice president of the early stage startup programs for Intel globally. So we've um, started uh, Intel Ignite almost, almost four years ago uh, out of Tel Aviv. And now we have a program um, in Boston uh for the us we have a program in europe out of munich we have a program in tel aviv and soon we're going to launch in london um and the, the purpose is to connect intel in a much better way to the disruptors of the world the startups right and and i i believe that no large tech company can survive today without connecting better to these disruptors we're gonna, i'm going to mention a few things about that so so ignite is that um, early stage startup program for for Intel, um, and um, it's it's an accelerator program. It takes companies at their late seed, so average funding uh, of a company is uh, about eight nine million dollars when they join us, and then okay. for twelve weeks, we work very extensively with these startups um, in a, in, a, in a significant way to make them uh, much more successful faster by leveraging our access to market, our mentors uh, inside and outside the company and, and helping them build scale. And it doesn't need to be specific to what Intel is known for. It's not, it doesn't have to be silicon or, or hardware related. It, it has to be strongly deep, deep technology. That's, that's the focus. Of course, the leverage by the IP we have, that's, that's a, an advantage, but that, that's what we do. And uh, we have a great track record of both acquisitions that we, we help drive, as well as uh, strong uh, engagement. About 30% of our companies end up doing uh, uh, projects with Intel. Um, and, and then the rest are, are very fast uh, get, getting funded. We have our portfolio of 100 and so we have 118 companies, 118 that graduated, and we have wow. 30 that are current in, current, currently in. It just started their batch, and uh, they raised more than one point five billion dollars in these three three and a half years. So that's wow. um, that, that's what I do. That's what we're doing here. And the interesting, um, I think, I, I would maybe go back a bit. And and when I started this journey um, back in Microsoft, right? And um, so I used to. Uh, uh, I was rehired to Microsoft for the third time. So I'm a corporate entrepreneur as well. And, um, and I was rehired to Microsoft to build uh, their acquisition engine in Israel and drive growth through acquisitions. And very quickly, I figured the problem of connecting the company to startups is not an Israeli problem, it's global. It was, the year was 2010. Microsoft was the evil empire. No one wanted to touch the company. Um, right. And... Um, I went to meet with Satya. Satya was the head of my division, of the server and tool division. I went to meet him with a blog post of Paul Graham. Paul Graham, the founder of Y Combinator. And on his private blog, you can still find his post that titled Microsoft is Dead. Hmm. And he said, Microsoft is dead. 
Microsoft used to shed a big shadow on the tech world, haven't realized when the shadow disappeared. And the third thing he said, I don't invite them anymore to my demo day. Right. And I, you know, Satya, black over internet, it says we're done. You know, no one is interested to talk to us and ask his permission to reinvent the way we work with entrepreneurs. And then I, I built the Microsoft accelerators um, and, and eventually built, built uh, um, the Microsoft Ventures and, and, uh, um, and managed Microsoft for startups globally. And then I, I left, and then Bob Swan, the former CEO of Intel, asked me to join Intel and build a similar similar thing here. Um, there are four things we're trying to solve for. Connecting us uh, to the best disruptors, driving learning, technology learning through these disruptors. What can we learn about the, le- the, the world, which is changing super, super fast? Mm. Uh, helping inform strategy. And then the last thing is changing the culture of the company. How can we drive culture change inside the company by working with leaders inside the company as mentors of these startups. So these are the kind of things I do. Which is interesting because it's not normally a sort of objective of uh, even, you know, traditional corporate venture funds, right? So, I mean, they're really focused on monetization, what they have, you know. So that's interesting. So why cultural change become became some sort of obsession for you or some becomes a sort of pillar as an objective? Why is it so important for I think I know the answer, but we would like to hear from you. Yeah, look, um, <clears throat> you know, if you look at at um company values and mm. and at, at Intel, at Microsoft, go with other companies, right? There are these big values like growth mindset and customer obsession and all these great values. But many times it's very hard to exercise them when you're a corporate developer or someone that works in the organization. So in in a way, Ignite serves as a gym for these people to exercise these values because startups are all about, you know, customer obsession and growth mindset. And it's it's and and when you work with them, you you get um you get that ingrained in you. I have one of the mentors at Intel that that works. Uh, with Ignite Startups, uh, um, we had a meeting with with my my boss, which is the CTO of Intel, Greg Lavender, and and the mentors explained what they get out of the program. And she said, "Look, in my, I, I divide my twenty years at Intel for the eighteen before Ignite and the two that came after Ignite started, because it's completely changed my way of thinking. It completely changed the way I work inside my organization, and that's exactly the kind of thing we're trying to drive." We will not be able to compete without, you know, that that change, that energy, without um, um, sitting out there in the forefront with these uh, disruptors. That's um, th- that's the 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 culture shift uh, piece. But 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 I think even a, a um, on on a bigger on a bigger scale. Look at look at Google, right? So much of the business of Google is based on startup acquisitions, right? Work with startups. Yeah. If you yeah. look at, at at Android, if you look at YouTube, if you look at at uh, Waze, if you look at all these businesses, um, look at the unbelievable disruption happening right now with OpenAI, right? Microsoft made a deal, invested in OpenAI, and suddenly the whole pendulum between Microsoft and Google has changed. So there's no option for these large tech companies not to cooperate with startups. And if you're in a position where startups don't want to engage with you, you're not in a good position to take on the, the, the future. So I don't think there's, I think it's a no brainer. I don't think there's an option. 
and you don't the the, the CVC option. Intel has a great corporate venture fund. Mm. But I don't think that's the only way to play the game. I think there's a much broader spectrum of opportunities to to engage with startups beyond just investing in few. Yeah, and I think that it's complete. By the way, for for how you have described how Intel Ignite does, honestly, it's disruptive comparing to the traditional corporate venture fund because. I've been speaking with many of them. It essentially is, look, we find opportunities, we invest in the things that we like, we help them to some extent, and then we try to bring in an organization. And the problem is, and uh, it doesn't work because there are different priorities. Uh, accept innovation is not as easy. It sounds like you have designed essentially Intelignite more like actually an accelerator. A, you know, It's a proper accelerator, but then is within the, the, the frame, within the... The, the boundaries of Intel, which is quite quite interesting. And what I found even interesting, even more interesting, is the fact that you, in the selection of startups, organization coming to you, but not necessarily then Intel use or invest in these startups, as far as I understand. So you you still act as an as an external incubator, yes. to understand. So that's you know one of the secret sauce here. You know, people, it, it, it's funny because it's kind of counterintuitive. Right. So the fact is, you know, I, when I started the program back 12 years ago, I said I want a small fund to invest in the companies. And it was pretty tough inside the corporate to make it happen. Finance didn't want it, et cetera, et cetera. It ended up being one of the best, um, best outcomes for me. The reason is the fact that we do not take equity actually let us play with the best startups that may not want to give up 2%, 3%, 8%, depend, you know, for, for a small amount of money. And we and also we keep a very clean engagement with them because we are not on their board. We're not an investor. And what the way we like to think of Ignite and the way the startups are telling us they think of Ignite is almost like a co-founder as a service. Right. The level of intimacy they they have with us is. Uh, um, is more than what they have with their investors, many times more than what they have with their employees. The founders are super open with us because we're we're a bunch of founders, by the way. All the people that run Ignite in different places are people that used to run companies. That's another difference between this and other, you know, I think corporate accelerators. Um, and and we're we're in the same boat. We measure our success based on their success. We're not an investor in their company. Uh, we're trying to make them successful, helpful, and, and, and in the process, teach Intel as much as we can uh, about, about the market, about the opportunity, and then engage uh, and, and, and present both companies with opportunity. So, but playing devil's advocate is not maybe a missing opportunity for Intel not investing in maybe some of these startups because they, are, may, you know, they might change sure. the world so from a financial standpoint. Sure. So nothing is blocking us from investing eventually. Right. right? And we did invest in few companies. We also, I'll give you, I'll give you one example. Tel Aviv uh, Ignite Batch 1. Um, we had a company called Granulate. They came to us with $4.5 million, five people. No idea how to sell their technology. Amazing technologists. When we helped them to go to market, and eventually we acquired the company for $650 million after two years. And wow. now they're, they're front and center to our software strategy. They are the most important tool in our uh, software strategy uh, going forward. And, and that's an acquisition of a 
a company that started super small at Ignite, it was not, we didn't think we we're going to acquire them, but we eventually found out that their technology could be super relevant for our strategy and for what we do going forward. So that's the, going back to the what we talked about earlier. The fact that we open the the uh, we open a very wide spectrum. We don't have to invest in all the companies. We're looking for the best disruptors, the best founders in deep tech around the world. And then few are going to invest, few are going to use their technology and pay them for what we're right, doing. Right, as a service uh, provider. Yes. Yeah. Few are just going to learn about the market they're in and what are the opportunities for us in these markets. And we may acquire a few of them. It's a win-to-win situation as far as, you know, I understand from how you describe it. Yeah, that's great. So moving forward and think about the future, what the challenge that potentially you see for yourself, you know, in the role that you have, is it is more about competition? Is more about finding resources? Is more about finding better startups? What do you see as a future in terms of challenges? So, look, it's we are a startup inside a large corporation. I know some people don't like when when people say that because they well, you're not really a startup. You're getting a nice paycheck at the end of the month right. and all that. But um, you know, even you look at these days, it's tough with major corporations today cutting cutting resources and need to make decisions on how, what do they focus on, et cetera. So we need to constantly convince the organization they should invest in what we do, right? Then it's, we don't bring revenues, but but I believe, and I think my what my manager believes and the reason he keeps on investing in us is that we are the sign of the future. We're going to help create the next chapter for Intel. And that's the reason to invest in us. But it's, the same again as a startup. We need to convince Intel that we bring value, and we need to show that the the learnings we drive are strategic to the company, and that we drive these cultural changes, etc. And and not, none of these things, as uh, you probably talk to other people doing corporate innovation, none of these things are easy to measure, right? So how do you how do you convince uh, the corporate the value that you bring? So that's a that's a that's an ongoing challenge that that we have and i'm happy that intel has great um our elt our our top leadership are strong believers in the future that we help bring for the company hence they keep on investing in in the growth and as i mentioned we're going to open a program in london we're expanding even in these right. times of austerity so um uh, that's going to be a challenge um there is a a, a challenge of the startups it's it's tough today. It's actually it's harder than it was a couple months ago. Why is that? So as you know, we started this year with a very strong, uh, even and the last year, uh, pressure on funding. Right, mm. super hard to get funded. That's that's an issue that we had as we walked into 2023, and then OpenAI happened. Right, and and um, I believe that we're going to see a lot of companies going away because what they do is not needed anymore. And on the other hand, there are a lot of opportunities, but they are not easy to figure out how do you play around this new world, right? It's a big thing. It's an earthquake that happened in our world, right? And and the whole whole, uh, um, generative AI um, and large uh, language models uh, that that just happened basically uh, creates new set of opportunities, but huge challenges. 
So we love the space we're in because we can help companies make that decision of what they should stop doing and what they should do more and how to compete and win in this new reality. But it's it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge in the ecosystem. Yeah, it makes sense. And you're right. I mean, on the what you just mentioned, so the, the, the artificial intelligence, particularly, you know, what, what you what you just shared, the GPT, et cetera, is probably disrupting the market to the point that many other technology firms, they are, their values is now anymore there. So I get it. Um, I want to go back to one, you, you, we, the point that you, we, we mentioned earlier is, you know, you really care about company culture and uh, the relation between innovation and culture is so critical. So we have seen many organizations do actually not being able to drive innovation internally because they were stuck too much in their way of doing things in the past, right? You know, it's this idea that culture is really so uh, ingrained into the organization to the point that people that are not able to think uh, differently, more strategically, to be more innovative. What is your, uh, I wouldn't say secret, but how can you really unlock innovation in an organization where the culture is not necessarily yet designed for that? It, it, it's my my trick is introducing them to people from the outside, right? The fact that that we're taking them away from their day to day environment and right. for at least twelve weeks and then multiple cycles of that twelve weeks, we're taking them out to work with startups, and they get to exercise the the crazy pace and the amount of changes and the new markets and. The other interesting thing, I had a conversation earlier today with, with one of our mentors, and she said, look, the new connections I'm making inside the company, because I never met a lot of the people that I have to meet now because of the startup. Because what, what the model is, when you're an Intel lead mentor, you build around you about four or five people from Intel in different sides, in the sales side, in the marketing side, in the AI side, in engineering that would together lead the work with that startup. Right. So for the first time, you're coming out of your engineering box, right? And, and you have an opportunity to meet with so many people that work with you, but you never knew them. And, and um, it's, it, this is one of the biggest revelations for, for people here. And basically, and it's also one of our biggest success factors that we have 120,000 employees. Some of them are the brightest people on earth, really, really the brightest people, but they've kind of been stuck on doing kind of the same thing for so long. And now suddenly we've opened up a window and they're super, super excited to, to, to do some of this on top of their day-to-day -day job. So that's, um, that's created a big opportunity. I love that. In other words, essentially you have taken people outside of their area of comfort, which is essentially their own workplace or whatever, you let you help them to see things differently, essentially a new reality through the startup environment, so they can really think about possibilities and the future, which without being too much stuck into the day-to-day. -day. It's a good summary. Yes, and, and and funny thing is some of our best mentors are the ones that originally told us they're not sure they're gonna be good at that because they're kind of afraid right. of working yeah, with yeah, yeah. they've been working here for 20, 25 years. They're not sure that they're gonna fit with the with the other culture. And they're just some of our best, best mentors. Yeah, that's brilliant. Brilliant idea. It sounds like it really is working. Great. So let me shift gear a little bit more. So let's move a little bit more in, 
about your own leadership because that's at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're trying to share lessons with the audience and inspiring them maybe to take different actions. How do you see your, uh, I mean, you're reporting directly to the CEO of Intel, which is amazing. The CEO, Greg Levin. The CEO, sorry, sorry, the CEO of uh, Intel. Um, but still, you know, uh, you know, very, very executive level. But you have uh, the responsibility, right, for, for the region, as far as I understand, for, in, for Intel. Globally. Yeah, okay, great. So what are the normally the challenge that, that you have in, in, your, in your job, you know, as a leader, not necessarily as a, as a business? We, you know, we discuss about startups, et cetera. But as a leader, for other people to, to know, okay, I'm not alone on that. So what are the typical challenges that you see these days? So I think, you know, especially these days, look, um, 2023, um, every major company is going through major cuts, right? Um, there's uh, people cuts, budget cuts, uh, um, pay cuts, etc. So in one hand, space, we have seen this crazy. So yeah, yes, and it's everywhere, right? It's yeah. we're not we're not special in this. It's every every company. It's this is this is the sign of times. So as a leader, um, um, and and we could talk about startups as well in that. But as a leader, you're faced with pretty tough challenges of you need to make all these decisions of priorities, right? And you need to inform your team and people that, you know, this is the reality. We have to cut costs. We can't do everything we wanted to do. So you're constantly um, dealing with um, that side, which is not an easy yes. challenge with your employees. You're dealing with your with, with yourself. A lot of the managers deal with that themselves. Their, their uh, um, salary may have cut. They had plans, et cetera, and that's changed. But then on top of that, you need to constantly give people the reason to believe, right? Why should they stay, right? Why should they believe that we are on the right track, even though times are tough? So you're in this um, tough uh, uh, mental environment that you have to, on one hand, manage the tough realities. On the other hand, be super optimistic and carry with you um you know the organization and people they that and and what i i truly believe in the opportunity but i need to make other people believe as well right so so this is this is where it's um it's pretty challenging times for a lot of managers and and um the work that i've been doing lately with startups but beyond startups is about the mental well-being of of founders mm. as well as managers right it's it's um it, it's a tough challenge it sounds like really dancing between two different situations, right? So giving the bad news to someone because it's not it's not easy, regardless, you know, the level of the authority that you have or the years of experience. And on the other end, is actually retaining the people that you have, but keep them engaged and energized so they can actually drive the same level of energy to their own people. Is that right? So it's dancing. Yes, yes. but and, and from a personality perspective. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I actually love challenge. I think that that challenging times are opportunities, right? There are opportunities that may not have existed if everything was just, uh, you know, great and and everything was on the up and up. So so I try to make my organization understand there are lots of opportunities that we could take on that that could make us so much stronger and take more up more um, advantage. Um, if, if we do this right now, even though it looks hard and it may not make sense uh, from funding, et cetera, we should take the action. We should go and do this because in, in these times, the people that 
do these actions, move fast, are actually the ones that are winning eventually. Yeah, makes sense. And by the way, now that I've been thinking while you were talking about, you know, you being a serial a successful entrepreneur, working with all respect of, you know, the the the, the startup mode in Intel Ignite, but you're still working for a corporation, which is large corporation. How can a serial entrepreneur fit into a large organization, maybe with processes and structures, and, and, and you know, and, and keep thriving and keeping your entrepreneurial spirit very strong? Yeah, I would lie if I would say it's easy. Right. This, this culture clash is not easy. No, exactly. And, and it requires multiple things. One of them is you need to have the right executive sponsorship. So my, I, I was hired by uh, the former CEO, Bob Swan, that was an amazing leader for me. Yeah. And, I'm, and my current manager, um, uh, Greg Lavender, probably the best manager I've ever had, sees, you know, when it's interesting to hear Greg talks about the work that I do and the work that Ignite does. And he sees it's one of the things that we as Intel, without that kind of spirit and experience, it will be much harder for us to be successful. So you need to have that level of sponsorship at that level in order to be successful. You know, otherwise it's, you know, may, many people will say, well, why do we need this? Why do we need this, the, you know, this, this guy that, that speaks pretty loud and, and constantly, you know, rushes around and it's, looks at everything as an opportunity. Why do we need that noise now? We're, we need to be much right. more, more calm. But, but I think the one, the leaders that see the opportunity, see the culture change opportunity, see the vision into the future and how do we, um, uh, how do we spot changes before they happen, right? Uh, we looked at almost 4,000 startups in these past you know, few years. Uh, just analyzing that data and telling Intel where do we believe the world is going and where are we heading is a huge value if you're willing to listen. So it's not easy on one end because you need to, to keep on going even though not everyone gets it. But that's that. But that's the usual founder challenge, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, founders always work in a world where most of the people around them disagree or don't get what they're saying, right? Until the day that they get it. <laughs> and that's funny you mentioned that because um, we have been introduced by Doron Meyersdorfer, uh, Meyersdorf. Sorry, so he's the he's the CEO in Israel, and um, yes. Mexico. Amazing company. And Doron, one thing he said is, look, one of my, I don't know how much time I've spent in going like salmons to some extent, you know, going towards the the flow where everybody was saying, no, you can't do it. Oh, it's impossible. And he kept going until to a point that they made an incredible successful organization. So I like, you know, what you just mentioned. The other thing is back to your point about sponsorship. I'm with you. I mean, hundred percent without sponsorship, you will never be able to not only deliver performance, but also feeling yourself in a way that you can comfortable making decisions and also making, you know, also tough, taking tough decisions about how moving the organization in different direction, right? Let me tell you another thing about that. So there's a, there's a professor, Daniel Kahneman, and if you know, there's yeah. a great yeah. book he wrote, Thinking yeah, yeah. Fast Slow. And, and uh, the interesting thing about Intel, you know, there are a lot of people that have been here for 25, 30 years, many, many years inside the company. It's a life for a company where people have been here for it. 
And when I came into Intel, I gave this talk to our executives. Uh, I gave this book as a present. I gave this talk about how our intuition is so wrong, right? Super smart people, super experienced. But because of that experience, we're going to make, we make sometimes wrong decisions based on intuition that's not relevant, right? So, so I think this is a really great case where you can say, look, guys, it, this, the world has changed, right? Or there's a new generation or there's a new set of technologies. Let's rethink the way that we're so used to do things or think about things. And that's, I think that's the beauty. And I, I enjoy that conversation. So, so um, again, challenge, but fun. But that is really what you just described is what really drives different actions. So it's changing the way how we see the world so we can finally find a different way of actions and different yes. behaviors that we can build. So again, about culture. So it's a great point. Um, probably the last question I have for you, Zach, is what is maybe some of the biggest misconception about being you know, in charge of an organization? So what people don't feel don't maybe 100% appreciate about being in your position. So it's funny, when I when I left my, when I decided to leave uh, Microsoft after such a long time, and my, uh, the people who used to work for me came and said, Zach, we didn't realize how much of you shielded us from stuff that we were not aware of that's even happening. Right. Legal, finance, fund, you know, all kind of stuff that we did, we're just, we were not aware and and um, I think that's a, one of the things that um, a manager needs to do is to make sure that his organization has all the resources to operate properly, has the right vision, but also is shielded for things they don't need to deal with, right? And and that you know person needs to take take on dealing with that, the keeping that uh, 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 protecting the organization so they can operate because otherwise. Again, part of the challenge of these big organizations that you can be swallowed into, you know, doing dealing with so many, you know, meeting management um, uh, procedures, a lot of things that are important, but many of them, they're a question of how much value they drive for your specific business. So I would take on dealing with these these things and and keep my organization highly focused on on the outcomes. Yeah, brilliant. Makes absolutely sense. So you really stay focused on the value and the future that you're creating. Okay, great, Zach. The last three questions for a, a quick uh, for a quick answer. So, is there maybe one single big learning across your incredible successful career, either as entrepreneur, either as a founder, or as a corporate leader, that is worth mentioning? Yeah, well, it's easy for me to say now. It wasn't, uh, you know, <laughs> I learned some of these things. But, um, you know, don't be afraid and don't worry about what people think, right? It's it's be, uh, if you have strong belief, just follow your beliefs, be smart about it, but but just don't be afraid. You know, I get, I got so many times people telling me, Zach, put your head down because it's going to be cut off. I said, look, if you're an executive and you're putting your head down, you're in the wrong place. So um, not being afraid, standing for what you believe in and, and not worrying about what people think. That's Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. And on the other hand, is there anything that you would have maybe done differently in your career? Or, I mean, it's easy an answer for a founder, right? I could have said, well, you know, I could have invested there or I could have maybe stopped right. the, the, the startup earlier, but what else? Yeah, there are there plenty, <laughs> plenty of things. <laughs> but... Um, 
definitely, you know, I, and that's also a problem of a founder. Uh, um, I, I didn't exercise enough listening at the beginning. Uh, when you're oh, so right. sure about your, your inner right. belief and, so, and everyone don't get it. You, you, you know, you know exactly what they're not getting and you're running forward. You're not always listening enough. So I think exercising that listening, if I would have been smarter earlier in my career, I would have done more of that. Um, and it, it took me a while to, to learn. I'm still learning, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's one of the things that I could have done much better. And my wife says, I'm still have a long way to go, but <laughs> Well, if she says, maybe it's true. So <laughs> we can respect that. We should respect that. Right, finally. So what is your approach to learning? How much is important learning for you as a person, as a leader? And what is the best form for you for learning? So if it's reading, uh, listening, I don't know, doing things differently. And if it's reading, what maybe is the best book that you ever read that made the really impact on you? So... We're lucky. We're we're living in a, in in times that there's you know the access to 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 information is is unbelievable, right? We 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 can learn constantly. So I have multiple ways of learning. Um, formally going through, I'm I'm back to school learning, uh, uh, um, you know, stuff in 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 the university. I um, you know once in a while I don't read as often as I want. I, I read a good book and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, you asked about a book, so I don't know about the one that made the biggest impact. There is one that made a very big impact on my management style. And mm -hmm. every, every one of my employees have to listen to me telling them about that. So there's a there's a great behavior psychologist called Adam Grant. I assume mm -hmm. you, you're familiar with Adam. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's the uh, yeah, give and take, take yeah. uh, book. And I, what I love about this is, you know, the way that he divides the world into two by two, givers, takers, and then um, agreeable, disagreeable people. And then when I tell my organization is you all have to be in the giver disagreeable box, right? So right. first start with yes. And, you know, I can help you. Well, let's figure out how. And then you don't have to agree to everything that people tell you. You can say, well, there's a different way of looking at things, right? So, yes. so, um, so I think that's a great way of living and working inside even a corporate and, and working with people. And I think it gets the best out of people. It's a great frame of mind. I love that. And by the way, that book is great as Adam. So I'm glad actually that you mentioned that. When I ask this question, Adam Grant, for a, for a strange reason, doesn't come out quite often which is weird to me because to me it's one of the most brilliant minds that we have out there. So I'm glad that actually you mentioned that. Zach, perfect. Thank you so much, really. So where people should go if they want to, more, to know more about you and Intelignite? First of all, we're living in a digital world. It's easy. It's easy, right? So intelignite.com is, is uh, one place. We're always looking for amazing new startups. And people can reach me on LinkedIn and on again, any of the digital platforms and Twitter on, on any digital platform. Zach, thank you so much. It's been an amazing conversation. I really like every piece of this. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me.